Well, welcome today. Thanks for being here at LifePoint. If you're here for the first time, plus those of you at our Wake Forest and Crossroads locations that are watching on the screen, thanks for being here today, especially first-timers. We'd love to meet you after the service at all of our locations. There'll be pastors down front for you to come down and introduce yourself. Well, we're in this series called Better. The idea behind this whole series, we're going through the first five weeks of the year, is that there are a lot of things in our life that we would like to do better. And at the beginning of the year, whether you set resolutions or not, you look at some area of your life and see that you would like to have some improvement. Maybe it's your waistline, you think, I wish this looked better. Maybe you look at your checkbook and you think, oh, I wish I, I hope I can do that better this year. Or perhaps some relationships in your life that you would really like to see work out better in 2016. Or maybe it's your relationship with God is just not where you want it to be in your list of priorities in your life. And you think, well, I want this to get better. And last week we kicked off this series and we said that life doesn't get better by chance, that it gets better by change, that it takes effort. The things you want to see get better in your life, you're not gonna wake up one day and go, it's all better. I didn't have to do a thing. It just happened. It doesn't work that way. There's an enemy of better out there, and it's normal. If you're taking notes, write this down. Normal is the enemy of better. See, our lives have a tendency to drift towards normal. That if we just live our lives and we don't think about, well, how can I improve, or how can I get better, or how can this get more of a priority in our lives? If we don't think about that and put effort towards it, we'll just drift into the default of normal. I did something a couple of months ago that I hesitate to even tell you because when I tell you, now I'm accountable to a lot of people. And so since I told the other services, I have to tell you. Uh, I joined a gym. Uh, it's, it's a kickboxing gym. Now, I'm not kickboxing people, but it's stations and, and it's, it's you know really good exercises to make your body leaner. And I don't like it <laughs> at all. I, I am in so much pain sometimes. It's, I feel it when I roll over in bed. And I haven't seen the results yet that I want to see. I'm going to keep going. But if I keep going and I push through the pain and I, I go through the challenge, eventually the better for me will arrive. But it's only going to happen by challenging myself by going through some very difficult mornings when I don't want to get up, by showing up when it's cold and I don't like getting outside when it's cold. Without the challenge, I will never move from normal to better. And without challenge in your life, you will never move from being normal to better. So today I'm going to challenge you in an area that might be painful, that it might make you take a step back, that it might even tempt you to turn me off, but don't do that. We've only got about 27 more minutes together, so just hang on. Just listen, because some of you really will be challenged, and some of you will be reminded that, yeah, I do have my priorities in order. Back in November, we did a series called Happy New Year, and if you were here, you should be expecting it to come back up, 
because we talked about what would it be like if we lived 2016 differently, if we got ready for it early. And so the first week of that series, we had the debt-free Christmas challenge, and we encouraged people to join this, join this challenge of going through the Christmas season debt-free. Instead of using the credit cards that the bill should come this week if you used it, did I ruin your morning? You're like, oh man, it is this week. Instead of doing that, instead of buying lots of gifts for people who don't need it, what if we looked at that big buying season completely different? And lots of people took that challenge. Lots of people joined our Facebook group and said, here's how I'm living out the debt-free Christmas challenge. We gathered three of the families together who did that. We asked them some questions and I want you to see it today on the screen. Take a look. Well, what we did differently this year, every year we talk about doing it different. We're gonna pick a name from a hat or we're gonna do something you know, less financially heavy and we never get around to it. We all run out to the mall last minute and spend every credit card penny we have. This year, Jennifer actually came up with an idea after the LifePoint debt-free challenge to donate our gift budget to charities. So each child picked a charity and that's what we did. We donated our, our budgets. We all kind of thought about what we had. We all have way more than we need. Um, look around and see how many people don't have. And I think that fueled it. When you're not spending your money on the things you don't need, you have, you have more time and money to donate to the things that can help. Our Christmas was really, it was different this year. It was a lot different this year because usually we're anywhere from 15 to 18 people. Uh, it's massive gifts and very costly. Well, so we had this idea that instead of getting presents for each of the 15 to 18 people, that we would have fun. And we actually just put up stockings all over the house. Um, and then everybody, as they came, they would just put little donations in it. So you would just see somebody sneak off into the, into the TV room or something, and they'll just be putting stuff in the stockings. And that was kind of fun, because we actually made it so that you wouldn't put your name on it. Um, so then when the evening came and we just started going through the stockings, it was like really kind of cool. It was kind of fun. I think, for me, um, this whole idea of the debt-free Christmas was far more than debt-free. Um, it was taking the focus off of things and putting it on what it's supposed to be about. And this is our salvation, Christ's birth. Um, the stockings were fun, but that was just an added bonus to what everything was really all about. My family traditionally has been big on giving out Christmas lists, like, this is the stuff you can buy me. and. It was fine when we were a little bit younger and the, the items were like the $20 range, but as everyone in the family started to get older, suddenly the $20 things became $40 and then $80 and then 100 plus. And I can't afford those. <laughs> like, I love you, but I'm not spending that kind of money on you for, for Christmas just because it's something you won't buy yourself, so it became the Christmas list. And so we had to start going off list. <laughs> By spending less, it actually gave us a lot more to give out in a charitable sense. We were able to do an extra donation at the Christmas Eve service. We were able to uh, send an extra gift to our uh, sponsor child through the Compassion International. We were able to focus on things that were more important 
than just buying random gifts for the family. And charitable giving is something that both sides of our family really focuses on. It's something that's important to all of us. I think trying to understand that it's it's God's money, not my money, is uh, that that's a hard lesson to learn. <laughs> so that, that once you do kind of wrap your head around that one and actually get into it and start acting like it's his money, uh, things get easier somehow. I, they don't financially make sense. How do you give away money to make more money? It doesn't make sense, <laughs> but it works. <laughs> I don't time. know how, but it, it has every time. The thing we focused on most this Christmas season, or at least for me, was the best gift we've received is Christ. And trying to explain that to our, our toddler, that this is what Christmas is about, because this was her first her first Christmas, that she really knows what's going on. It, it makes it a lot more fun, because we're not stressed, and we can demonstrate to her what generosity is and what giving does to us. Those are great stories. So today, I'm going to challenge you to step out of normal when it comes to generosity. Don't be normal with it. You can be better with it. Here's how normal generosity works. Normal generosity is generosity that says, okay, I have whatever income I have, and I'm going to take that, and I'm going to take care of all the obligations I have, and then... I'm going to be generous. After I take care of everything else, then I'm going to be generous. That's not bad, but it's definitely not the best. It's definitely not the way God expects us to practice generosity. So if we're going to be better at practicing generosity, we need to start at looking at, well, what does the scriptures have to say about our generosity? There's some Bibles coming in the aisles right now. If you don't have one, you can have one. It's yours to keep. Just let the ushers know. You can also read along on the screen. So what we have to figure out when we're thinking about generosity is, well, what comes first? And it's clear from the writings of the Apostle Paul who needs to come first. In the book of Colossians chapter 1, starting at verse 15, it says this, the Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things. And in him all things hold together. And he's the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. This is talking about Jesus being first. He is before all things. And when it comes to any area of my life that I would like to see get better, the first thing I have to back up and realize is I'm not first. I'm never first. He is always first. And then it's figuring out, well, how do I move out of normal and get better in all areas of my life by allowing him to be First, see, normal is what everybody gravitates towards. And Jesus said, I don't want you to be normal. I want you to be better. And when you figure that out, when you figure out, well, he is supposed to be first, your priorities start to change. 
There is no doubt, and I'm not going to ask for a show of hands who bought a lottery ticket. Not even going to ask you. But you've thought about it if you haven't. And you've thought, oh, this is what I would do. Oh, my goodness, this is what I would do. Now, I didn't buy one. I think it would complicate my life way too much. But I prayed for you to win because I know what you promised. God, if you let me win, I will give money to you. And if you happen to go to LifePoint Church, that's awesome. So if you buy them, I am praying for you to win and to follow through with what you promised God that you would do if he let your numbers come up. So how do I get better at being generous in 2016 when money's already on our minds? We think about it, we use it, we earn it, we spend it, we go in debt. So how do I practice better generosity? Well, Jesus made it clear that this wouldn't be an easy thing to do. He said, you can't love money and love me. He knew that there would always be this tension, that the way money would, would pull our loyalties away from him, the way it would pull us into an area of life where we found our security in something else other than him. And he knew that. So he said, you need to be careful because it will distract you and it will guide you. If you want to have more of it, then put me first. That's what he says. So what does it look like when someone demonstrates that God is first in, their, in the area of finances and the area of generosity? There's a story in the first book of the Bible in Genesis. It's about Adam and Eve, the first man and woman. It's about their two sons. Cain and Abel. And it's a description, just a short description of how they practice generosity. And we can learn a lot about what God thinks about our priorities in the area of generosity just from reading this story. In Genesis chapter 4, verse 2, it says this, now Abel kept flocks and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. So it's describing how he worked. It's describing how Cain gave. It says, over the course of time, he brought some. In other words, he took care of himself first because, hey, something might go wrong. The crops could die. There could be a drought. So I better take mine first, and then I'm going to bring some of it to God. Now, we don't know how much he gave. It doesn't say. It could have been a huge amount that he brought back to God. But we do know the sequence in which he gave. He gave to himself first. Over time, then he gave to God. That says something about his priorities. And unfortunately, that's normal. But normal is the enemy of better. Here's what better looks like. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering. But on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. So it says that he gave, Abel gave from the fat portions of the firstborn. In other words, when it came to giving, he said, the first thing I'm going to do is give to God. That's number one. 
before I worry about if there's going to be a disease go through my flock of sheep, before I worry about the other needs that might exist in my home, the first thing I'm going to do is bring to God what's best, what's first. And it says that God looked with favor on one and not on the other. This is not talking about amounts. It's talking about sequence. It's talking about priorities. And in Abel's life, that probably didn't just happen. That was probably learned. The same thing in your life. It's just not going to, by nature, happen. It has to be something you plan, that you decide what to give. Most people give over the course of time, whatever's left. But it's not that people can't make commitments, can't make financial commitments, but people do make a decision that I got to take care of this stuff first and I'm going to give whatever's left. Try that with your mortgage company. Try telling your mortgage company, hey, I got a vacation this summer. It's going to cost a little more than I thought. So I'm just going to like pull it back a little bit for a few months, if that's okay with you. Somebody be knocking on your door saying that doesn't work that way. You committed. You let us auto-draft out of your account so we would be first. You try going to your cell phone company and say, hey, just over the course of time, whatever I have left, I'm going to pay you. But you wouldn't have a phone for very long because they would say, no, that's not how it works. So we have the ability to make a commitment, an amount, a percentage, and take care of it over time. We can do that. But we would never dream of going to anybody we owe money to and say, hey, I'm just going to kind of let this slide for a few months. It's not the way it works. I, I used to struggle with this a long time ago. What does it look like to put God first in the area of my finances? I would make commitments to pay a lot of things. And I remember that I would decide based on what I had left instead of at the beginning. But then somewhere I learned the practice of giving to God first. And there is a time, if you ever want to hear the story, just come and ask me. There is a time in my life where I can pinpoint things turned around. Not just financially, but things turned around in all areas of my life when I started to prioritize and put God first with my money. And it's not just about being debt-free. Being debt-free is great, but being debt-free in order to be more generous, like you heard in those stories, they picked something they wanted to give to, something that they had passion about, and they were more generous towards it. And it all started with thinking about what would it look like if I prioritized my finances? The writers of the New Testament, they knew this principle. They taught this principle to the first century church that God comes first and that God provides everything. So therefore, we go back to God and let him have what's first because he has supplied for our needs. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, the Apostle Paul, speaking to another church in the first century, said this, now, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, 
but it's also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. So he's saying, give, give in such a way that demonstrates your priorities. Why? Well, because God is going to increase your store of seed. Now, to us, that would be money. He's talking about cash. And he tells them why. God will increase what you have so that you can be more generous. Let's read this together. Those of you watching on the screen, read this with us. The part in blue, let's go. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. Let's read it together again and like with more conviction, okay? You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. So why does God trust us with more money so we can be more generous with it? That is the principle that's laid out in scripture when we're talking about being generous. When our girls were little, like uh, older elementary, younger middle school, uh, we got in this habit. We went out to eat a lot, less now than we did then. They would always, after church, come up, hey, can we go out with this family? Can we go eat? And, and we would do that several times a week. And you start adding that up, a family of four, even if it's you know, cheap fast food going out, you're spending you know, 25 to 40 bucks going to eat out. And one day, Cindy and I were looking at our budgets, and I was like, we can't spend this much eating out every month. So I got this idea. I got the girls together, and I gave each of them $100 at the beginning of the month. And their eyes were like big, like, 100 bucks? That's awesome, Dad. Thank you. You're the greatest dad in the world. And I was like, but this is what you spend when we go to eat out. And when we would go to eat out, I, Cinda and I would go through the line. They would have to go through separately and pay for their own. You're probably saying, that's so mean. It was so wonderful to watch them like, oh my gosh, I got to pay for this. They would use their money. And it wasn't long when they started using their money when after church, especially my youngest, when I would say, hey, we're going out to eat, and she would say, well, who's paying? <laughs> I would say, you're paying with the money I gave you. And she said, I'll just eat at home. <laughs> because it didn't take her long to figure out, wait a minute, I can get free food at home, but I gotta spend this money. And so she started managing, both of them started managing money really well. And now they're really good money managers. They understand the value of it. They don't overspend it. And because they took care of the little bit that I gave them to manage, I gave them more. And I gave them more because they did a really good job with it. Now think about this for a minute. This verse says that God is the one that supplies what we need. It says store of seed. He's the one that supplies your income. Why? So you can be generous. So so ask yourself this question. If you were God, would you give you more money? That nervous laughter. That's just... If you were God, would you give you more money? Because that's what it says happens in Scripture. So are you prioritizing your finances in such a way? It doesn't matter what income level you're in. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about trusting back to him what he has blessed you with, wherever you are. It's about sequence and priorities. So if you were God, would you give you more money? Because the principle in Scripture is, if you can be trusted with a little, then you can be trusted with a lot. If you cannot be trusted with a little, then you cannot be trusted with a lot. We have to understand if we're ever going to move from normal generosity 
over to better generosity, we have to understand that what we have is not our own. Same things my girls had to understand. Hey, dad gives us this money. It's not ours, but we're tasked with managing it well. And as they did, they got more. So we have to understand that what we have, even the ability to earn it, all comes from God. There's a story in the Old Testament when God is taking the Israelite nation out of captivity into the promised land where they're getting really close to the promised land and God starts to speak to them about what the promised land might be like, about what it's going to be like when they get there. And he says this in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 6, when the Lord your God brings you into the land, he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you a land with large, flourishing cities that you did not build, houses filled with all kinds of good things that you did not provide, wells you did not dig, and vineyards and olive groves you did not plant. Then when you eat and are satisfied, be careful that you do not forget the Lord. He wanted to remind them, all that, you're, all that you have, all that you're getting ready to have, realize it's not yours. He's trying to tell them, I made it. I gave you the ability to enjoy it. Don't forget where it comes from. And it's easier to prioritize our sequence of giving if we understand that what we have is not ours, that we're just tasked with managing what we have. That's relationally, that's definitely financially. God has given you the task of managing whatever level of income and finances that you have. And I think the church gets such a, the church gets a bad rap for talking about money. Maybe even today, as I talked about this, and you look at that envelope in the program, you're thinking, hold on a second. I see where this is going. I don't like it a bit. You know, you're reaching around for your wallet and tension is starting to rise. And you're thinking, how, how could you? Look, we're not asking to buy a jet. And I know sometimes the church gets a bad rap because of people like that, that misuse the generosity of God for their own purposes. But we're not talking about that. We're talking about being generous as the people of God, to see what kind of difference we can make in the world when we prioritize our generosity and we put God first, what's that going to do in our lives and how is that going to bless the world? So if you're one of those people that get tense when the church starts talking about money, you need to understand it's a deeply and profoundly spiritual topic. And when the church asks you to make a commitment don't like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. Nobody's ever said to me, I cannot believe you're trying to help my marriage get better. I cannot believe it. I can't believe you'd ask me to be in a small group and read the Bible. It's all you talk about. I'm tired of hearing about that all the time. Nobody says that. Because it's easy in other areas to understand that we need to get better in many areas of my life. And for many of you, the area where you need to get better is not being so greedy and stingy and not having your life in priority, in, in prioritized when it comes to generosity. And it's not about giving the church a blank check. It's about giving God a blank check with your life. And he's saying, trust me with what I trusted you with. That's what I'm asking. So how can I demonstrate what's really a priority in my life? You can start with your finances. 
I love these two Proverbs. In the book of Proverbs chapter three, it says this, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. Then a couple verses later, the same principle that we've been talking about, it says, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. Normal is putting me first. Better is putting God first. Normal is saying, I've got all these obligations I need to take care of, and then God, I'm going to give you whatever's left over. That's normal. And a lot of good gets done from that. But how much better would we be if we said, God, you're first. You get the best part. You get the first dollar. You get the first however many dollars. You get first. What would it look like if as a people, as a church, we said this is how we're going to live in the new year? And so what we've asked you to do, everybody's got one of these envelopes with a card inside of it. There's one per family. So if you don't have one, just raise your hand. You don't need one per person. The ushers will give you one. If you need one, just raise your hand. They'll bring them down while I'm talking. And here's what we want you to do. We want you to write a number or a percentage And now, don't let your mind race because we don't want it back. Don't put these in the offering basket when it goes around later. This is for you to make a commitment to God. I'll never see this. Nobody in this church will ever see it. You, your spouse, maybe your whole family. If you're single, just you will see it. And you're going to write down a number or percentage, whatever works for you. And just keep it. And what I want you to do with it is once you write it down, Put it where you keep all of your other financial commitments. Put it where your mortgage is. Put it where your cell phone bill is. Because if things are going okay in your life, then you wouldn't dream of slacking off on those two. And put this first in front of all of that. You'll know the amount. You'll know what you've committed to. And you will move from being just normal when it comes to generosity, to better generosity. I'm going to fill one out too. I'm going to fill mine out. And I already, I calculated, this was our level of generosity last year. My goal is to go up every year. So I'm going to, this is how much more it's going to be. And I'm going to write that on this card and it's going to go on my desk where all my other financial obligations are. And I'm going to see that every time I sit down to take care of other financial obligations in my life as a reminder that God wants to come first. And if I'm ever going to move from normal to better, it's going to take me prioritizing my finances in such a way that God comes first. I cannot wait to hear the stories that come from the commitments that you're making, from putting your commitment to God on the same level as other commitments that you have and saying, we are doing this no matter what. This will not change. If anything, it will go up. I can't wait to hear the stories of lives and financial situations and blessings because as a church, we said, we are going to put God first in the area of our finances. So take about 15 more seconds, fill that out, and you keep it for yourself as a reminder of the commitment that you made to God. Maybe you need to talk about it as a family or pray over it 
write it down and keep it in a place to be reminded that God comes first. Let's pray. God, as we anticipate the new year, as we anticipate our generosity, Father, we pray that as we make this commitment that we will be able to say no to the things that could cause us to be less committed to putting you first. And God, as we demonstrate that you're first in the financial area of our life, may that spill over into relationships. May that spill over into our, our employment. May it spill over into our families. And God, we know that you provide our every need. And God, I pray right now that you just start to write stories in people's lives who are moving from normal to better with their generosity. And I pray this in Jesus' name.